Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager for Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. How you doing, Rob? Pretty good, buddy. How you doing? Well, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. It's a few days away in this podcast. One of the best holidays out there, I think. I think the best. As far as just, you know, no obligation, just, just well, you know, just, just eat, basically. <laughs> you don't do any cooking? Uh, no, zero. No. <laughs> Do you help out in any way to the dishes, anything? Wrap stuff up, put it away. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Not a lot. <laughs> Not a lot. And hey, she's, a, I, she's a she's a lucky girl, huh? I would be born happy to, but she's, you know, she's um she she's got it under control. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you at least offer? Anything? I, I do. I do. Yes. Okay. I, I offer. And I think that's important. I think you have to offer. This used to be one of my favorite work days. I'm not kidding you. I think, and I told the story last Thanksgiving, but it, I always think about it every Thanksgiving. This is when Pete and I would get up. We didn't work all day, but it would just get us up early. We get out, get a coffee and a bagel or something. Go put a coat on a floor, pick some stuff up, and then go home. It was a great day. I used to love working Thanksgiving morning. I don't know why it sounds weird, but um, it was always uh, it was always uh, it was always a lot of fun for us. <laughs> I know it sounds it sounds hard to believe, but it was just a good day to work because you knew you weren't working a full day, and you know you're going home to a pretty good holiday. Yeah, uh, it feels like you're sneaking one in a little bit. We're, yeah. we're, we're going to talk today about lacing in hardwood floors or toothing in, however you want to say it. Depends on part of the country you're in. But before we do, I want to say, I'm, you know, we talk about this uh, often, but we got an email. Uh, this listener is from, uh, his name is Jay Nickel. He owns a timber flooring business in Canberra, Australia. I hope I pronounced that right. And uh, so Jay Nickel from Canberra, Australia, we want to thank you for listening. Appreciate the nice email. Uh, thank you very much. That kind of made our day, uh, getting one from so far across the, the other side of the world. So thank you. Listeners from all over the world, man. Floor guys. Floor guys. A worldwide brotherhood of floor men. That's what it is. I love it, man. That is just so awesome. I did get another call, however, Rob. This one was a little unusual. Complaint? No, not a complaint. But... Um, he said he thinks we're like selling subliminally. That's insane. I wouldn't even know how to how to go about doing that. Where was he from? It is you know, there's always there's always going to be complainers out there. Yeah. Well, it wasn't really a complaint. It was just an observation. I, I I told him. I mean, I wouldn't even know where to begin <laughs> to do that. So you're up in upstate New York. Is it a slow week for you guys up there, Rob, with Thanksgiving? Always a big traveling holiday up here. Um, and I guess there's a lot of people flying too, which I was pretty surprised about. Yeah, it's uh, it's slower than usual in this area. I mean, you, you know, it's more a rural area, but you, you know, we generally, as a rule, don't get a lot of. Did you ever see the uh, Subliminal Man on Saturday Night Live? Is 
Kevin Nealon used to do it. You you clearly have a better memory than I do, because I I you remember lines from movies and all kinds of stuff. I I, I yes I remember it, but I don't remember. I remember the the name, but I don't remember anything about it. As soon as you said subliminal thoughts, that's all I could. I think he called himself Subliminal Man. Hmm. Anyway, I think he did it during the. He might have done the did it during the news or something, but that was always pretty fun. That was a good skit. Yeah. All right, let's talk about lacing in. Lacing uh, in. Yeah. So and and considerations and you know it's funny because I see a lot of stuff you know on uh, on the internet obviously and you know guys will be doing a patch or they saw somebody else's patch or they say I'm getting ready to do a patch and and um, and sometimes frankly I, I see a patch I see the floor all torn out torn out torn out torn torn out torn out I think tore. it's just tore uh, uh, torn it's past tense it's torn out torn out yes so torn out torn out torn out yeah thank you so it it's ready for the install. And I think to myself, man, the amount of work that goes into a, to lacing in or toothing in, that's a lot of work, man. And uh, sometimes I wonder, does it make more sense to tear the whole thing out? That's my first. So there's just some considerations when you're doing a, a lacing in. And that's my first thought. Number one is, you know, and you say this, I've, Rob, is, is the juice worth the squeeze? Would it make more sense as far as matching everything up and not worrying about gaps and not worrying about stair steps or the last guy before me and just tear the whole thing out. In, in some cases, if you're adding on, to, you know, let's say they're, they're expanding the room. That's my first consideration. You're just going to rip the whole thing out and reinstall. I'm not saying every time, but I'm saying there's times when I look at what, what people are getting ready to tooth in and I think, you know, I tear the whole thing out. Just start again. The amount of time and 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 that, that's involved in it. So, that's my first consideration. You know what? I think if you got if you talk to every any floor guy who's been doing this for a while, they could tell you their their Rembrandt of a tooth in floor. Don't you think? Everybody has one because as soon as we talked about this show, I was like, oh my god, I. I remember the two thin of all two thins. And I, when we got done, we were just so amazed. You, you know what I mean? Very proud of ourselves. Yep. Well, and yeah, it's a, it's a work of art when you can take something in and add into it and, and, and not have it, you know, when it, you met seamlessly and you can't even find it. Yeah. That's, that's something we're proud of, man. The next consideration I have, is it two and a quarter inch or is it two and a quarter inch ish? In other words, you know, is it, yeah, it's two and a quarter, but what is it now? Is it shrunk or is it, is it, is there going to be gaps? In other words, when I, when I go to do my floor or my board is going to be too wide now. Uh, and you know, that also goes into how much, how much time this is going to take me. And am I trying to match it aesthetically? In other words, if the whole floor is gapped out and now I, I tooth it in and my floor is going to be perfect with no gaps and, you know, nice and tight and everything, is that still going to draw your eye to it? And you talk all the time in your schools about customer expectations. And I think that's a conversation that needs to happen. Look, 
You're asking me to, to, to blend into this 60-year-old floor, 90-year-old floor. It's got hairline cracks everywhere. You know, it's, you know, I'm going to match up the same grade, the same species, and everything else. But be aware that uh, it's probably going to look a little different for that reason. So, or do I build gaps into it? You know, little hairline gaps uh, to match the rest of the floor. All right. So I got to, I got to tell you, I mean, you're talking about the expansion joints and nailing it and everything. I got to talk about our masterpiece. Okay. And like I said, all floor guys are going to have their masterpiece floor that they toothed in and laced in, toothed in. Um, ours was a dining room. It had, the homeowner bought the house thinking there was hardwood floors throughout. And they had lifted up a piece of the carpeting and said, yeah, we'll just uh, have somebody come in and sand the floors. So we went in, we were going to sand it. And as soon as we started pulling the carpet, we found that half of the dining room had been cut out, completely cut right out. And that half of the dining room also led into the living room. So that was what the guy was wanting from us was, can we lace in the dining room back into the living room without using a border or anything because it was kind of that's how they wanted it to flow free nice. like the original floor had so i think i think when you're trying to charge for something like this how do you charge you know what yeah. i mean to get right. this really yeah. right how do you charge and you know when, as soon as you said two and a quarter ish yeah we got lucky because this floor, this house was built back in the 40s. So this is now we're into the 90s. You know, there's, that's going to be tough to find wood, brand new wood that's going to fit in here. So there was a bedroom on the bottom floor and I talked him into letting us pull the flooring from there and use that as the patching, which was perfect because now we had the perfect width and even... I, I might even been a little nervous about something that you pull from an upstairs and a downstairs, but where this was on the same floor, we felt really good about it. And the widths were perfect. The patina, perfect. Nice. Thickness, everything, you know. But uh, one of the, and it was funny when you said the, the gapping, that's what really got crazy with our gapping. We were using fishing line or weed whacker line to get the right seasonal gaps and everything. So, you know, it kind of turned into a labor of love and, you know, kind of testing, testing your skills, I yep. thought, you know? Yep. So it turned out, it, it, we weren't really thinking of the money after a while. We were thinking of like, if we nail this thing, you, you know what I mean? We're going to feel great. Yeah. And we did. I'm not bragging here, but we knocked that thing out of the park. When we sanded it and coated it, you would have never known that uh, there was any difference. But it was the weed whacker line because it was like February when we did it. So everything was shrunk like crazy. Yeah. So it was that weed whacker line and the fishing line because not all gaps were exactly the same, you know. Yeah. So that's where we were using the, the different lines. And an old gym floor trick when you need expansion joints that are, you know, 40, 50 feet away from the wall, you use weed whacker line. Yep. So we kind of um, were doing things like that. But man, that thing just came out. God, I don't know how long we did it. I don't know, 30, over 30 years ago, we did it. And I still remember it was like it yesterday. You know, it's just yep. one of those jobs that, that you just feel great about. And even though, like I keep saying, didn't make 
great money on it, but the referrals we got from that guy, though, yeah, amazing. You know, he couldn't have said enough about us. Well, you know, you bring up some things, too, that some other considerations, Rob, is that um, one of them is usually what I like to do is, is run a string line down one of the boards and see how straight the patch the repair is going to be. Because sometimes you can see the boards are running off, right? They're not running perfectly straight. Maybe the guy is lying, especially back, you know, we talked about the craftsmanship back in the day. But you look at about 516 floors, man, sometimes uh, uh, we're doing patches. They would run off at different, at different directions. So do you, do you also need to bring wide boards to the job? Diamond you know what I mean? Because So maybe it's only a few boards that are going to be gapped out. And uh, by installing a, a wide board here and there, but then they, if it's a tongue and groove, you gotta you gotta mill the board. So, you know, put the tongue and groove back in and everything if you're gonna do a rip. So that, those considerations and costs have to be uh, thought out. Also, if the sub, what's the what's subfloor like? I mean, it, it, does it have to be renailed? Uh, those type of things you also have can take take into consideration. I also like to see how the last guy nailed the floor. This is one that I would bring a cleat nailer and and a um, uh, stapler to the staple nailer to the to the job because I want to nail it like the old the other guy nailed it too if I can if it makes sense to me. You know it's funny you said that because that was something that we had noticed. This floor was like I said the house was built back in the forties, so they use cut nails. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Well, here's what we were running into. At the time, this is when we had just kind of moved over to a Bostitch stapler. Well, what we found after we started nailing a little bit was the Bostitch stapler was pulling over the boards that were already in. They were already nailed. Yeah. yeah. So we stopped that, pulled out those few boards, and we went back to the Porter nailer. Only because, you know, the Porter nailer, you can use it as a ratchet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can adjust yep. that porter nailer so you can just kind of ratchet and things, get, yep. get floors snug, but not really wailing on them to get them in. Mm -hmm. So we had even done that just to make sure that, because uh, it's one thing to get your patch in right, but then you don't want to start moving the existing boards either, because now you're just throwing everything out of whack. Well, that's interesting when you bring up the cut nails now, because when you're doing, when you're lacing in, uh, a lot of times what you're going to do to take a board out or even doing board repairs, you know, you, uh, you uh, come about a quarter inch in from the side of the board and to, to run your saw up, right? You know, you usually, usually you make a, a cut like a, uh, a quarter inch in from each side. And if, and, and if you hit a staple or, or a cleat, uh, you know, you might get some sparks and whatnot, not a big deal. But you run into a cut nail, <laughs> you're going to go through some saw blades. So even that is a consideration. If it's, this is a really old floor that was done with cut nails uh, is a consideration. Go out and buy plenty of those $8 Diablo blades, if that's what you're running into. Just Yeah, throw away. Chuck, throw them away. Yeah, throw away. This is, this is one you want to make sure you have eye protection on for the, those reasons. Um, I also, if I'm talking to the homeowner, what color are they going to go? Because if they're going a really dark color, okay, well, and it's white oak, for instance, or, or even red oak. But I got a better chance of matching it to to their expectations. If they're going to do a lace in, but they're going to go natural, do I really want to lace this in, or do I want to just uh, tear the whole thing out? That's another big time consideration. I might put them side by side, 
and do a sample on both the old and the new to say, all right, this is what you got. And the reason for all this is, you know, I, I don't want to have a conversation after it's over that it doesn't match like I thought it was, okay? Uh, so there's another thing that, that I would take into consideration is customer expectations. You know, who am I dealing with? If, uh, if it looks to me like they're, the most I can give them is an, is a, is an eight on matching this and their expectations are a 10, then um, that, that conversation has to happen up front. Uh, tell me if you agree with me on this. When a homeowner no. would say to you, no, I'm not that picky. Oh, that's, that's a red flag. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. That, you're not that, that picky. Yeah. That means that you're the pickiest one of the month. If they yes. say, no, I'm not that picky. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that to me is a red flag too. And also uh, I like when they bring over the neighbor, you know, my neighbor had his done. So he said this, or he said that, well, who am I doing this floor for? If I'm doing it for you, or am I doing it for your neighbor? Let's get him in the conversation at the front end of the job, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm not that picky. Um, let's. Uh, that that's why we, we just had the the episode on contracts. And uh, thank you, by the way, for everybody that reached out on that on that episode that uh, that wanted me to send the contracts to. I think I sent them all out uh, by now. So you, you probably have, regret not saying, "Hey, I can send that out to you for 1995." <laughs> no, you've had a lot of hits on that. That's free yeah. money out there, folks. Yeah. So that was a good one. Yeah, it was. And this is this kind of reminded me of that episode because these are the type of things, not only do you want to say what you're going to do, but what not to expect on a job as well, what I can't do. And I think it's absolutely just as important to state what you what are you not to expect as also what to expect. So I'd like to start the, down the middle, especially if it's a if if it's a big if it's a big patch, lace in or tooth in, whatever you want to say. Um, I a lot of times will start down the middle and uh, snap a line and that's where I'm gonna start because I feel like I have the best chance of making everything nice and uniform if I have to make some little minor adjustments. Again, if you're gonna do that, you, you know, bringing in um, spline or a slip tongue and uh, the router and those type of things. So that's why charging for this, um, you know, these, these can be very time consuming. I'm and you, want to, you definitely wanna take your time too. You you don't want to try to rush this. Yeah, like you're, you're said, not gonna make you're not gonna make any time on this. So listen, you might as well make try to make some money on it. There there's there's guys that do fancy medallions and fancy borders and all that kind of stuff and and this is every bit the art of doing that type of work. It may not seem like it may seem very straightforward, but we've all seen that 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 terrible looking patch um, that you walk into job and go oh man look. Here's what they added in, or God forbid, to use the wrong species of wood, or you know those type of things. And also, there's a trap out there that you have to be very careful of. If it's a pre-finished floor, I can tell you from my from my floors upstairs when I when I bought this house and I sanded the floors, I, it was a pre-finished floor that somebody should never put in. It's a long story, but it did not fit the house at all. But anyhow, so I I sanded the floors down. If you had asked me by the, before I, I dropped the drum on that, that floor, if you said, Wayne, what species of wood or what, 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 um, um, what grade of wood is that? I would have said, that's probably a select. Looked like a select. Select red oak. Yeah. When it was sanded, it was every bit of a common floor. You know, I mean, every bit of a common floor. Mineral streaks all over the place, which I didn't care about. I was sanding it dark anyhow, and I was only cutting a border in around the fireplaces and putting a, putting a border in. That was it. So it didn't matter. But if you are up against a, a, a pre-finished floor that you need to add in, 
I strongly recommend sanding a little bit of that floor first to make sure that you really, that is really the, speed, the, the grade of material that you think it is. Because they do a lot of things at, at injecting finish and color into those, those uh, pre-finished floors that can disguise a lot of problems. Yeah, I think um, we ran into that one time. It was the old Bruce CB924, the gun stock. Yeah. Right? Remember that yeah. orangey yeah. color? Right? It was yeah. like the, the classic 70s floor. Yeah. So we go in and the guy says, yeah, or the lady said, we just want it completely natural. I was like, oh, perfect. Right? 4080 satin poly. We're done. This is beautiful. And we started coating that floor. I'm like, what the hell is going on with this? It never even dawned on me that some of these pre-finished companies would mix species. Not only mix mineral, not only mix grades, but mix species. Yeah. Yep. So now we started coating. And you've got red oak and white oak, and they're expecting a natural floor. Wow. Did we, uh, we learn a lesson on that one? We got jammed up pretty good. Yeah, you know, we did other shows on tinting floors and that kind of stuff, those type of um, uh, skills that come into play somewhat that can help you a little bit. But yeah, man, I mean, you know, if you can, you know, here's the thing. The more upfront you do on these type of jobs that you cover your bases, you had the conversation, you had the meeting of the minds, you, you, you did your homework on it and you, you brought also the other things, like I said, bringing the right material to the job. You know, you've got the router table, you've got the spline, you've got the, the both styles of nailers. And by the way, people ask, you know, which nailer is the best? Is it cleats or staples? I actually think it depends on the, on the, uh, in, on the install. Uh, sometimes, most of the time for me, it's, it's cleats and, and sometimes it's staples, uh, uh, whether, wh which gun I prefer. Uh, but having the choice of having them both on the job, you figure that there's a chance the floor may move as much at the same rate that the, uh, the existing one did if you use the same type of nailing. So that's another consideration. Um, sanding considerations. You know, nothing like doing a patch in a floor that's been sanded two or three times, right? With new material, then um, right. you, it's, it's, it makes for a rough sand job. So there are times to me, in my opinion, it makes sense to bring a router, or excuse me, um, a planer to the job. I got a, man, there's nothing like a sweet planer, man, with the, with the blades that are dead sharp. That is, that is a thing of beauty running a board to a planer like that. And um, rather than have the sander uh, take off that material, sometimes to me it makes sense to, uh, to use a planer to help you out. When I was a kid, my dad said, hey, you want to come with uh, your uncle and I? We're going to a... Uh, uh, swap meat or you know what I mean swap meat is that what yeah. they call yeah it was called something else when he said but it was like a swap we're going to a swap meet to buy a planer now remember I was a kid so all I heard was plane I literally <laughs> thought the old man and my uncle were buying an airplane we're going to a swap your uncle and I are going to a swap meet today buy a planer you want to come I was like this is a this is the greatest day of my life we're you know, could be flying this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember them. There they are. There's a planer table. And I was like, this is definitely, definitely not what I was thinking. But you would have thought they were as excited as they had bought a plane. That's funny. They, they could see the look on my face. I'm, I'm just like, I, I, thought, I thought we were getting an airplane today. And it's like... <laughs> 
I said planer. You know, it's funny. You, you said uh, swap meet. You remind, remind me of something. I have to. I have to say, in in the state of Kentucky, the oldest festival is called Court Day. It's in Mount Sterling, Kentucky, and it's held in October every year. And it's been going on. Like I said, it's the oldest running festival in, in the state of Kentucky. Now at Court Day, it's like a swap meet, but it might be coon dogs. You know, everybody brings down their rifles and guns and shotguns and they all swap and trade them and sell them. And, and, and I only went one time and it was, man, it was just like a whole nother world to me, man. It was so cool. And they'd have the dogs barking and everything and they would trade this hunting dog for that hunting dog. And That's it awesome. was fantastic, man. Yeah. And I got caught up in it and I bought a 22 rifle. And, um, and then I bought it for myself. But as I'm walking around, someone say, what do you get for that rifle? And I thought, well, this is my first time. I could, I, maybe I could, I could sell here. You know what I mean? Wait a minute. I, I could make a little money here. Yeah. I think I must have been 14 or 15 years old. Maybe I couldn't have been any older than that. I know I wasn't older than that. So I, I bought and sold guns that day, you know, and, and, and uh, at the end of the day, I, I, I came on with $80 more than I, I came there with. Just buying, you know, 410 shotgun, a 22 here or something, you know what I mean? A 12 gauge pump. I didn't know what the hell I was, you know. And I just, uh, uh, finally, I, I bought a gun off a guy, a, a rifle off a guy, shotgun, a little single shot. How old were you? I was 14 years old. <laughs> I was my buddy and his friend. And, and so I started listening to other guys sell their guns. And I'd hear them say, like, man, this thing shoots dead straight. And, uh, man, it doesn't get hardly any recoil. This could be the smoothest gun you ever shot in your life. So as I was going around listening, I thought, all right. So guys, hey, uh, I'd say, you got a shotgun I'd be willing to part with. And the guy goes, uh, what do you want for it? I go, man, this thing's the straightest shooting gun you've ever seen in your life. And I went back to the same guy I bought one off of and told him that. He goes, my God, I just sold you that gun about an hour ago. <laughs> so at 14 years old, you were a junior arms dealer. I was, yeah. That's, I had, that's I had, awesome. It was a great day. I don't know how I got off on that topic. Uh, you mentioned swap meat, but anyhow. Swap meats and flea market. I can't drive by a swap meat or a flea market and not want to go poke my head in there and just, I don't know, see yeah. something, grab something. <laughs> like I never, Pauline loved antiquing for years and years. I, I mean, she would, we'd pull up to an antique joint and I'd just sit in the car. I wanted nothing to do with that. And then I was talking to this one guy at an NWFA school and he was showing me some of his old tools. And he's like, yeah, you wouldn't believe what you can find in some of these antique joints. So one of the bright spots of Pauline's life, I think, was the day that I said, hey, let's I'll go in with you. Yeah, I'll start looking around all sorts of tools. And yeah, I found some great stuff in uh, antique places, swap meets, flea markets. Yeah. I go with Judy too, but what I got onto recently is uh, you can find some nice wood for sale there. Uh, I went to uh, Woodcraft Supply to buy American cherry for my floor, and it's fairly expensive, right? And the same day we went then because that was a deal. I would she would go with me to there. I would I'd look around there, and then we'd go to an antique store. And uh, I bought the wood. I went to the antique store, and he had beautiful old old growth uh, um, um, American cherry. I mean, that really dark, dark, rich, beautiful American cherry that he, he's, he was wanting a fraction of what the other place sold and it wasn't near as nice a wood. So at those antique stores, when she does that, I go looking for, for, for wood in there. Good thinking. 
you know, I like when you're doing a patch and everything. Of course, you can pull out the whole board, put the whole board back in. Nice way to do a patch. But, you know, sometimes you got to cut that butt joint. Try a DeWalt. Now I'm selling. Yeah. DeWalt biscuit cutter turned upside down. You know what I mean? Drive yep. that into the yep. floor. Yep. Because you can set the depth on that mm-hmm. to any, you know, two and a quarter, three, three and a quarter. It was unbelievable. And a time saver, it doesn't cut out the entire board, but it gives you two thirds of it cut perfect. And he knocked the rest out with a chisel, good sharp chisel, really quick, really fast. When we figured that, because we had this one job, it was a too thin patch, but there wasn't a lot of boards where we could just yank the whole board out. It was an older floor, so all the lengths were 12, 14. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not going to yank out all of that just to do some patching. But when we started that using that biscuit cutter, that was a time saver. We we thought we were geniuses when we came up with that one. Eugene Klotz. If anybody doesn't know that name, Eugene Klotz was the founder of Renaissance Floor Inlays. The, I think probably the greatest floor man that's ever lived. I mean, there's, he was the youngest man in Poland to ever become a master at, at his craft. And he, if, if, you, if you look at his, uh, Google his website, uh, Renaissance Floors Inlays, the work is out of this world. I mean, this is the stuff that they do on CNC routers, but it was all cut by hand. And, and the man was an absolute genius. I've, there will never be another Eugene Klotz. He passed away several years ago, uh, fairly young guy. Uh, but um, the reason why I bring his name up is that, um, you know, he was a, you know, he's a European guy. He was a genius, uh, clearly a genius and, and, you know, big into tools and stuff. And he said the greatest American tool ever made was that biscuit cutter. Just really? thought that was the best. Uh, no you know, kidding. He didn't have much regard for a lot of our stuff over here, whatever, but that was it. That was the one tool that he thought was the greatest invention ever. Well, when I, you know, we used it for, you know, what a biscuit cutter was used for. And then we started using it for patching. I was like, this is, this is the greatest tool ever. This thing is just amazing. Yep. So me and Eugene Klotz, smartest guys you ever talked to. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh, now I'm feeling good. I'm going to sleep good tonight. So, longer boards. The size of the boards are, are important also. You know, and if, let's say the guy's got it, he stair-stepped all over the place. Ugly, ugliest floor you ever seen. Well, now if I put in my beautiful floor, it's going to be noticeable. It'll be, so that's right. It'll stick I, out like a sore thumb, so. And as much as it hurts sometimes... That's a conversation that also has to be to, to happen is that, okay, maybe he's got short boards all over the place. He's got stair steps. Well, you know, if you're trying to do what you, you said in the beginning of this podcast, where you guys absolutely nailed it, you stood back, you couldn't see it. Um, maybe that's what you got to do. We were, uh, we were installing a buddy of mine's kitchen floor and he had installed his own hardwood floors when he had built a house. Good buddy of mine, cop. He installed his own floors. So we left. Bum and I left. And I don't know if he did it that night or early in the morning, but he decided that he was going to start installing the floor too. 
he was going to show us that I can do what you can do type of a thing. Right. I mean, he was a buddy of mine. So, you know, that's how buddies are. Right. Yeah. So we walk in and he nailed up a good chunk. I mean, I bet he nailed up 25% of the floor. So he goes, you can't even tell where you guys stopped and I started. Now, Bum was probably 15 at the time. And he goes, you started right there. <laughs> you know how I can tell? Because this butt joint, look at all the butt joints I have. Yours yeah. are way too close. Your stair step, Bum shredded the guy. Destroyed him. Destroyed him. To the point where he looks at me and he goes, yeah, do you think we should tear it out? I'm like, well, I mean, can you, can you live with that crap job that you did? He probably could have lived with it just fine till Bum talked. Till Bum ripped him to shreds. Yeah. I said, you just stick to being a cop. You're great at that. We'll do the floors. You do the cop stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But as soon as he said, you can't even tell Bum just late because Bum was pissed. Mm -hmm. Bum was pissed when he, you know, he had just really starting to come into his own with laying a floor, no stair steps, no butt yeah. joints, you know. He really took pride in how he laid out his floor. He still does. So he, he really could see exactly where that guy had started laying out the floor. That's the thing. And just you. whacked him, man. It was funny. That was a good one. So you're right. If you're going to, you might have to put in a crappy floor. You might have to go against every, just so you do get the match. So you're not going to have that eyesore sticking out. Without a doubt. You want it all to flow. Yep. You're also not going to be able to, you're going to blind nail every way you want, right? So you're going to need to use an adhesive. Um, in, the, in the tongues, sometimes if you use a, an adhesive, and I've even talked to guys that will water the adhesive down a little bit, just a little bit, so this tongue slide in there a little bit better. Uh, again, you want to, if that's the case, I would use like a floating floor adhesive. That, because be aware, a lot of times, if you you know if you go down and buy any other any adhesive whatever it doesn't matter uh, like uh, like let's say your carpenter's glue yellow glue right and you're using that generic type of adhesive uh, might might work fine but then down the road it can crackle on you right you'll get that popping crackling sound because it doesn't have the elastomeric properties that adhesive does for wood flooring. What was that word again? Elastomeric. Oh, baby. Uh, yeah. Can it, you can have been it, waiting for a year to get that word in there. That is a beauty. Yes. I got dizzy a little <laughs> bit. That's how big that, that word was. Yeah. The best I could have come up with was stretchy glue. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's national sales manager, bony adhesives. Yep. And, um, also, we uh, check in the moisture content of the existing floor versus what you have uh, to see what, you know, to, to be able to tell what, what's going to happen with your floor. I mean, you can't get a better indication that floor that's been there for 60 years, where it wants to be or where it's going to be. Um, we talk about the 540, uh, might be a good solution for this. Again, nailing off the, the subfloor, uh, if there's any squeaks and pops and whatever, uh, sometimes we just, uh, you, now to me it's a new job it's a new subfloor it's in the whole new world you've also pulled them boards off of that subfloor and maybe you're, it's an old subfloor and now you've got those the subfloor loosened where now okay you take them pry bars under there you're also pulling up some of the nails from the subfloor now you got a potential for squeak there so re-nailing re off or re-screwing off the subfloor 
uh, could be very important. Another consideration. I'd also you remember the the story I told you about our my masterpiece of a tooth in, or me and Pete's masterpiece of of a tooth in. When we tore yeah. out that bedroom, it was all cut nails, so that floor really just slipped out nice. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So that's where I got the idea. From now on, I don't care what I'm doing. If I'm patching, I'm not trying to buy new wood to patch. I'll you know, so I would grab flooring out of a closet or something and put the new floor in there. But we tried to do that with some staple floors. Oh man, there's a whole art to removing that patch stock without destroying everything. Cause that was a great part of how the cut nails is, you know, it slipped right out and all the tongues and groove were, were perfect in perfect shape. But if you're into a staple floor, you really got to take some time and get those. You got to work them out and not just start slamming them out because you're going to lose everything. Yeah. Good call. I'll tell you something. Um, there's not, there's nothing wrong. I, you know, if you do a job and you're proud of it, like you guys knocked it out of the park, right? On that, you know, I, I think it's perfectly fine to stand back there with the homeowner and the job's done and tell them that the, the, people don't realize the challenges of taking an 80 year old floor and a, for today because you know they 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 you know they change over time right um and and to be able to make them look like the same floor and you know uh i think it's okay to you know make sure you, you point it out to them and, and show them all the little things that you've done how you've tried to match this how you started in the middle all these little tricks and techniques that you've done because now that now that homeowner is your salesperson and if if you do 50 jobs a year and those 50 people not only are happy for you, but they're, they are happy with your work, but they're an advocate for you. That's another episode in selling, you know, maybe. But if they're an advocate for you, that they're, they actually want to go out and support you and, and help you grow your business and what have you, especially if you got a cool story that, that they like. Now, now it's, 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 you know, guys don't like to brag on themselves. I mean, you know, I, I, I get that. But um, it's a problem I've never had. Um, if, <laughs> I think you should rub their damn nose in it. You said, listen, here's what we did. Here's, here's all the little things. We re-screwed your subfloor down just in case because we pulled the boards up, blah, blah, blah. We brought wider boards. We matched the, not only the, the, the species and the grade of the material, but the lengths of the boards and everything. We did a stair step that doesn't, I mean, we didn't put stair steps in where it looks painfully obvious. There's a lot of, we, we, you could do a patch or you could do a, a beautiful repair. And this you is a have no repair. idea what's going on with this floor. Yeah. You yeah. have no idea what we did. The amount that went into this. They make the, because yeah. now when they walk in and look at it, you know, I'll never forget when they came in and looked at it, they weren't there while we were doing it. They weren't living there. So all they saw was the, what it looked like before and after, you know? Yes. They didn't see the during. They did not see the beginning of it. I mean, they saw the beginning of it, but they didn't see what it almost looked when we were done. Like, oh, this was easy. Just, just nail in some boards. Yeah, looks perfect. Yeah. They, here's where you were bad at, Rob. And this is where I was bad at. And a lot of guys in our generation were bad at. Is that when you finish this, put this son of a gun on Instagram. The before, <laughs> but the, not, not, not just the patch. It's got to, you want the before, the during, and the after. Maybe small videos of what you're doing along the way to show your customers. Remember, we had another episode of Erica Kitsy was on, 
from Bona Marketing Department that you can go back and look at that episode or listen to that episode. Uh, she talked about how important those social media videos are. One like, this is the type of video that kills people. I mean, homeowners love this kind of stuff. You watch all those HDTV shows, what it, here's what it would look like before, and here's, here's the big reveal. And, and so that gets them excited about, oh man, I mean, this is a, this is a home run on social media. You know, and, and so, um, you know, like I said, do that. You get those homeowners to be advocates for you. Not just that, you know, I, I hear, as Matt, I've, I've said this before. If a homeowner, if I finish the job and they say, Wayne, you did a fantastic job, here's your check. But if they don't refer me to anybody, in my mind, that job's a bust. I don't do that job for that person. I do that per, that job for his friend or her friend. Um, and because you live off your referrals. So all those, so, you know, it, you didn't do your job just by finishing that job. It takes, it, it, I think the, to get the best value out of that, you go to the next step. And this is a, I'm, 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 I'm not a young guy. I'm going to be honest with you, Rob. Uh, but I even know that as an old guy. How about that, that guy? How about that guy calling me old man Rob on your I, one, uh, your, your one, uh, the email, the guy won the contract and he goes, Oh, I love the show. Even that old man Rob, but you're I, older I, than me, aren't you? I, uh, well, listen, you got to drag me down because he called you old man. You got to, yeah, gotta hey, uh, I'm not going down by myself, right? But you know, he said, he said, I love how funny Rob is. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's confused on who we are that guy in Australia, because things are like the water goes down the, the drain, the, the other direction that it does in yeah. America. You know, okay. uh -huh. I think he, he somehow he thinks that I'm you. You're me and I'm you. Yeah. Yeah. Pacific. You know what I think is awesome. And I've seen some guys on their website, floor guys on their website is the time-lapse stuff. Yes. That, that's an interesting yeah. thing. If I was a homeowner, I would be looking at that time-lapse stuff. That would be like, Oh, I like that's pretty cool stuff. And I don't think it's that hard. I mean, it'd be impossible for you or I. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you mentioned you were buying that cherry for your floor. Is it for the floor? Yeah. How's that yeah. coming? It's, I, I mean, I've, the time, is the time-lapse camera, the time-lapse yeah, camera still going? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, uh, there's no point even asking me. I'll let you know what it's done. People right will be watching that video and you're saying, why is that in slow motion? No, this is time-lapse. Actually happening, yeah. <laughs> so um, reasons to do, reasons to do a, a repair like this, toothing in or lacing in, could be that they're adding, um, you know, um, could be water damage, could be that they're, they're adding um, onto the room, uh, two reasons you usually see it. Uh, one thing that you might consider, sometimes where it makes sense to, to drop a border in, um, you know what I mean? And instead of running to the, to the wall, I mean, sometimes it's a break up a room and split a room in half. So you don't have to do the, like a living room, dining room, you know, uh, put a board around everything. So you don't have to do a tooth into the other room. Just, just a consideration. Uh, although most we're doing a lot of open concept rooms today, but, um, so, you know, I'll never forget the first NWFA school I went to uh -huh. and, and that's what they showed you how to put a border in an existing room. And I thought that's insane. You can't do that. Yeah. And then when you saw how easy it was, mm -hmm. you just need a lot of Diablo throwaway saw blades. Yeah. But man, you're right. I mean, why too thin when you can do a border? Yeah. That's going to be big money and a huge, you know, think of what that's going to look like. 
people well, thinking, oh, people are going to be thinking, geez, I just hope they can tooth this thing in, make it look good to do some good patching. Crap. And you turn around and go, well, how about a border? How about this? Yeah. Yep. No doubt about it. Um, and especially then you can drop in a, uh, I'll tell you, you could do a fancy, you know, you could do them in your shop, do uh, the the uh, the French corners or we call them California corners, um, just a small, you know, just show them, I mean, what an upgrade it is or a feature strip that goes around the fireplace, you know what I mean? Just something small like that, especially when now, now when everybody's gone to wide plank and everybody's gone to straight leg, now you don't see those, those and I think they're going to come back. I mean, because, you know, they, the pendulum always swings. And so now if it's all wide plank, open border, whatever, just to do a fancy detail around a fireplace, you know, that's could be very exquisite, something very nice and delicate around a fireplace. What a nice, really custom touch. It doesn't really take that much work, especially you could knock these out on the weekend if you if you uh, get a uh, some a, a day in the schedule drops. Just get a pattern together, make a really nice nice corner, uh, something really sexy, and nice go around, and just a little little uh, touch, goes miles. And again. Then you put that, I realize now, 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 now the game has changed, but I'm on this, man. I'm on this game, buddy. You, that, your job's not done now, in my mind, until you put that sucker on social media. And you, you, get, every, that, that you get everything you can out of that job. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, it's Thanksgiving. Gosh, we say it all the time, guys, and we can't, we, we mean this sincerely from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, and, and all the guys at Bona and all the, all the gals at Bona, all our departments at Bona are very grateful beyond words to all of our customers. This Thanksgiving is, is as you know, a little different than, uh, well, it's a whole lot different than Thanksgiving's in the past. Uh, and um, we hope everybody has a safe Thanksgiving and, and uh, with this thing that's going on, with the virus that's going on, be very careful um, and take care of yourselves. And uh, we, we, uh, as you close out the year, we wanna thank you for, our, for all your support. And it means a lot to us. And thanks for listening to the podcast. And have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Rob, you want to say anything? Or am I just going to keep talking about it? No, I could listen to you talk all day. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Stay safe. Have some fun. We deserve 100%. it this year. So this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.